Welcome to the Green Edge Podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly roundup for the week ending 11th of November 2022. Here on the Green Edge, we like to get into the nuts and bolts of the Green Revolution. But since COP27 kicked off last weekend and at the time of recording this podcast is plodding on towards its halfway point, we feel we should start with a big COP picture. Rishi Sunak, of course, did show up and in a short speech, he said this. When we began our COP presidency, just one third of the global economy was signed up to net zero. Today, it is 90%. And for our part, the UK, which was the first major economy in the world to legislate for net zero, will fulfill our ambitious commitment to reduce emissions by at least 68% by 2030. Michael, 2030 is only a little over seven years away. How do you think we're getting on towards that 68% reduction? We're making progress, no, no two ways about that, but we're still operating at a level of somewhere around eight and a half tonnes of carbon emissions per head in this country, I think. And it means hitting Rishi's figure of 68%. I, in fact, thought it was 78% we had to hit by 2030. Uh, means about two and a half tonnes per head. Now, that is an enormous shift. Now, we're talking about ramping up, therefore, heat pump installation for domestic properties to past a million a year now. Not ramping up to that figure, but doing it now if we're going to stand any chance of doing that. And that is a radical, radical change, which calls for quite significant investment. And we've only just recently had a report looking at public sector or public um, buildings uh, and the figures there they're quoting about the cost of this retrofitting. So we need to move really quickly, but it will drive jobs, it will drive investment, and it will drive down the cost of the technology at the same time. So there's some really significant wins to be gained here. Now, in Rishi's speech, he referred to an earlier speech made by Mia Motley, the Prime Minister of Barbados, which contained some hard-hitting points, especially about the shortcomings of the current climate finance process and the need for fair share of resources. Here's what she said about that. I come from a small island state that has high ambition, but that is not able to deliver on that high ambition because the global industrial strategy that we have has fault lines in it. Our ability to access electric cars or our ability to access batteries or photovoltaic panels are constrained by those countries that have the dominant presence and can produce for themselves, but the global south remains at the mercy of the global north on these issues. The global north borrows between interest rates of between 1% to 4%. The global south of 14%. And then we wonder why the just energy partnerships are not working. What do you make of that, Michael? I think it's a very fair challenge. And I think though one, the West, be it at a corporate level or an uh, individual country level, could take on as a task to seek to ensure that we move together collectively and for benefits to be shared from actually providing either finance at a realistic level or providing the technology to help individual islands and smaller countries that haven't got access to these things much more quickly. Um, it would be lovely to see some of the big corporate leaders, the Unilevers, the shells of this world doing that, and likewise with some of the more progressive countries like Norway. 
And actually, Mia did pick up on that point, so I recommend anybody to have a listen to Mia Motley's speech, which you can find on YouTube. On to this week's post, which is called In Search of Competence, and we've been doing a bit of job design. Is there no end to the excitement in our lives, you may ask? And Michael, there are a lot of sustainability manager jobs around in the UK right now. You're right. We've done a very simple thing looking at a couple of sources. One was the Indeed type listing. You get on those uh, job advertising sites, but also on LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn alone uh, identified near enough 5,000 managerial jobs on sustainability and about 150 for the CSO type of role. So these are quite large numbers. But one of the problems with these types of jobs is they actually don't fit into some of the classic career clusters. Now, most economies... um, can devise a series of career clusters, post-stroke pathways. And in this country, we've got 15 pathways. Go to the United States, there are 16. And if you take the US ones as an example, I think only three of them pick up on the environmental piece. That's around about agricultural and natural resources, manufacturing, and transportation and distribution. But the sustainability roles that we identified just by quick searching cut across all those sectors. And I think it'd be very useful to actually have a clear path where people can really see sustainability careers really carving through in addition to these industry specialisms, stroke sector specialisms. So perhaps a separate sustainability pathway. It would be useful to see that and how that varies by some of these sectors. And it's true if you go onto IFATE and their pathway work, they've done the occupational maps. If you're in the occupational map around those 15 areas, that's great. But these roles cut across those pathways. Now, we've also got a little downloadable offering in this week's post. We have. Uh, it's an outcome of the work using ESCO data and obviously ONET data. And it allows you to download a job specification for a sustainability manager. It's only three pages long, but might be a really useful checklist for people who are interested in this area to use as a bit of a template. And hopefully somebody finds that useful. I would recommend they take the cartoon out first, though. Exactly right. <laughs> And a reminder that you can find this week's post at greenedge.substack.com. We're also pleased to let you know that this podcast can now be found on most of the major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Google, and Amazon. Search for The Green Edge Podcast. Just going back to Mia Motley's speech, uh, she paid tribute to Scotland along with Belgium and Denmark in relation to accepting the principles of loss and damage as being morally just. And onto your reports watch, Michael. We have an interesting report just coming out of Scotland this week. We have. In fact, it's released today. Uh, And it's a job called Green Jobs in Scotland, an inclusive approach to definition, measurement and analysis. And we would strongly recommend people to look at this report and look at the taxonomy they're starting to evolve around green jobs and occupations. We think it's a very useful, good start point and also the development of a green sock. It's something we've come used to expect from Scotland with its progressive approach to this and really trying to provide useful background information. Our one caveat and comment would be it'd be lovely to see them using the more recent versions of ESCO that have actually now started to actually create collections of green skills in a relation to this and also to release a database for other people to use because we have the department for education uh trying to create a new taxonomy of skills we have nesta doing some great work at a local level 
around taxonomies and skills. And we have the Royal Society doing other pieces of work around a number of the country's major cities as well. We need to pool this so we have a common taxonomy and a common approach. And I would just point out that when you refer there to a green sock, for those who don't know the three-letter acronyms, that's a, a green standard occupational classification, not a green sock you put on your right foot to tell you right from your left. You've also been a bookworm as well as a report worm this week, Michael. Yes, I have. Um, this goes slightly off track in terms of not being totally green, but it's an excellent book by a lady called Georgina Sturge. The book is called Bad Data. Now, Georgina works at the House of Commons Library and has taken pains to put together the pitfalls of using data blindly or using data that isn't complete and basing whole assumptions around that data. Now, she picks out, and it's quite relevant to this piece around green, except it's around the automation of jobs. And she picks up some heroic work done by a couple of academics at Oxford that works through a series of quite big assumptions that have been picked up and amplified by others. If I quote her, these estimates can and should only be taken as a joke, a bit of statistical larking around, and yet they've been used in serious work by Parliament and the government. This is where people have taken ONET data from the States, applied it to the UK, taken as another series of assumptions, done some calculations, created a few probabilities, so we're quite a few steps away from the original data in a different context, and come to quite some startling conclusions. Georgina's conclusion, I think, is quite a good wake-up call. Any data you see around occupations, green or otherwise, dig down and see what the working assumptions really are. God forbid we should ever make that mistake here on The Green Edge. We try not to. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.